Hey, everybody. This is our post-Super Bowl edition of What the Football, which, as always, is brought to you by Game Time. They have been fantastic partners this season. It's the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater events near you. Game Time's got killer last-minute deals, all-in prices, views from your seat, so that you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Take the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time. Download the app, create an account, use the code WTF for $20 off of your first purchase. Restrictions apply. Visit GameTime.co for terms again. Create that account. Redeem the code WTF for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest prices guaranteed. Let me tell you people right away why there is a wine bottle on this set. This is the calling people. Maybe if I tell you, hello, friends, this is the calling, (laughs) then you'll understand why. Jim Nance will be joining us for the first chat he has had post-Super Bowl. And we are so delighted that he's going to come on with us and talk about his experiences calling this incredible Super Bowl, his seventh Super Bowl. And this is his wine that he has been cultivating for years and years. And Amy, I have to tell you, Amy rescued me, people. It was a, it was a whole to-do today getting down to uh, the set. Rich's home under the weather. I had to take over for Rich Eisen show in the middle of me? hour two, which is why I have wet hair for those no. of you who are actually watching this. Excuse me. Not only did you take over, you took over magnificently. Well, you're, you're kind as always, but I'm here's honest. the best part. I only say what I mean, and I and always, always mean, mean what, what I, I say. say. But here's the best part. So I call Amy, and I'm racing down the 405, and I'm like, oh, sh-. I left the calling on the counter. And I know this wine intimately because we're grateful enough to be friends with Jim, and I send this to my brother every year. It's an incredible bottle of wine. And so I realized that I had left it on the counter. Amy, of course, goes into action and finds a bottle on her way in here. So we cracked it open and we are enjoying this. We have a second bottle to go. I think by the time Jim joins us, we might be on bottle number two. But so that's what's happening here today, guys, in this Super Bowl edition of What the Football. Before we open bottle number two, shall I share with you one of my nicknames in college? Yes, please. One beer. And it was one beer because all it took was one light beer and Amy was a little tipsy. So this is going to be a fun podcast. No, I'm looking forward to it. And all it (laughs) took, of course, as my segue would be, is one overtime for us to question Kyle Shanahan's preparation for the Super Bowl. And I was really taken by um, Kyle Yushek's comments after the game, the fullback from the Niners saying we didn't know the rules of overtime. And yet the flip side of that, it was, of course, that Andy Reid had gotten his team prepared in the preseason for what could possibly happen in this first of the rule changes applied to this Super Bowl. And uh, let's listen to this soundbite really quick before we move on. You know what? I didn't even realize that the the playoff rules were different in overtime, so I I assumed you just want the ball because you score a touchdown and win, but I guess that's not the case. Um, so I don't really, I don't totally know the strategy there. This, of course, from a uh, Harvard guy. If he'd gone to Columbia, he might have known the rules, but I, I digress. Amy, what were your thoughts? Because I know I thought to myself when I heard this and I watched that overtime, I thought to myself, number one, why would you possibly want to have possession of the ball to start as a lifelong Patriots fan, knowing how often teams would set up Tom Brady to come back. So why would you possibly want to take possession of the ball first, knowing that Patrick Mahomes now has a target? And if you don't score that touchdown and you know that it is, you know that if you got that field goal, which they did, and that it's a chance for each team 
to have the ball again to score again before sudden death if there is, of course, a tie. But why would you do that? Well, I'm going to answer that in a minute. But first, I'm going to say every time I hear someone went to Harvard, I think of that scene in Legally Blonde where she looks at him and says, like, it's hard. Um, I can see two reasons why you might wish to take the ball. One, if you believe your defense is winded, if you believe your defense needs just a moment to catch their breath, okay, fair enough. Or if you are doing the analysis that Kyle Shanahan said he did after the game, which is, I wanted to know no matter what, we got it the third time. So if we scored and they tied us, we got the ball again. So I'm not as het up as many are that they took the ball. Um, I see arguments to do it and arguments not to do it. I don't know the condition of the defense at that moment, and that may have factored in. Well, it's funny because Jim Nance, of course, as I mentioned, will be joining us. And he did say on the broadcast, this defense, the Niners defense, looks gassed. Um, Maybe it was a chance to let them rest up, and that could very well be. Or maybe he just felt confident in his quarterback and in his offense that he wanted to get on the board. One thing I think that we... I feel very confident about and having watched the Super Bowl, uh, as I mentioned last week on what the football was, you know, we watched Brock Purdy go out there and manage the game very well. I would like to put an end to this game manager nonsense, because I do believe that managing a quarterback or managing a system is an important part of being a quarterback. And he may not have played a perfect game, but he played a pretty damn good one. Both teams played very, very, very good games. And someone said to me very early in my career, and I found it very wise, so if I've shared this before, I think it's important to share it again. So often after a game of magnitude, or any game really, the focus is on who lost and why they lost, as opposed to who won and why they won. We just watched a terrific game with two very good teams, two extraordinary defenses, and I think special teams played a huge part in this game. So I just find it fascinating that the tendency is to focus on why a team lost rather than why the other team won. Okay, so what aspects of special teams? Well, a couple things on special teams. First of all, and this is rather odd, Both punters averaged 50.8 yards per punt. First of all, that's an extraordinary number. That's terrific. But that the number was the same, you know, that was kind of karma. Number two, Butker had a 57-yard field goal. Um, Moody had a 55 and a 53-yard field goal. So in punting distance, great. Long-distance field goals, some of them were great. I think a very, very significant difference in this game was that mixed extra point. The moment San Francisco missed that extra point, I turned to my husband and said, if this game comes down to a very close store, that is a huge advantage for Kansas City because they're chasing a different number now. So special teams was great when it needed to be, and that mixed extra point loomed large. You know, Susie, I'll I'll stop talking in one moment after I just say I'm always perplexed that people don't recognize how important special teams is. We focus on offense. We focus on defense. I like to focus on special teams. It can be the difference in a game, says the girl who worked for a team that had Ray Guy. Yeah, no, no kidding. And also, as I thought about it during the game, and I was watching it with Brockman and a couple other friends at the house, for a while we were talking about the kicker's going to be the MVP. And then we also thought about Jake Moody and just some of the losses that he had, some of the misses that he had for this kid who's a rookie and the pressure that the Super Bowl is really coming down to feet for a while. I thought was pretty overwhelming. 
great point. Um, and yeah, I always focus on special teams that missed extra points, as I noted, loomed large. But your analysis, your point that you just made is a good one. It could have come down to an MVP as a kicker. Yeah, it's so funny because you're right. We do talk about the quarterbacks all the time. We talk about the running backs in this game in particular. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was for, for a while, we had no idea what was going to happen. You know, you touched upon something earlier when we ran that clip about the players on the 49ers saying they didn't know the rules. Um, you know, that obviously shouldn't be the case or to state the obvious, that shouldn't be the case. Everyone should know the rules. But I'm less bothered, far, far, far less bothered that players may not have known the rules because at the end of the day, you take the field. And if your job is to block, if your job is to tackle, if your job is to cover, whether you know the rules or not, you've got to go do that. Do I think they should have known the rules? Absolutely. Do I think that was a huge difference? What I think would have been a just horrific issue is if the coaches and those who were responsible for providing input as to play calls, as to making decisions as to play calls, if they didn't know the rules, and I don't know if they did or didn't, but if the coaches and others who are giving input into decision-making didn't know the rules, that is horrific and inexcusable. Okay, you mentioned play calls. I thought the other moment of the game that was incredible to watch was the one in which Andy Reid was on the sidelines and, and Travis Kelsey came over and bumped him. And basically, we know now that he said, put me in, I can score. And this is after the Isaiah Pacheco fumble, right? But how often have you seen a player get into a coach's face to that degree? And I say that again, being a lifelong Patriots fan and having seen Tom Brady storming up and down the sidelines, screaming at players, screaming at players. But this time... It's Travis Kelsey screaming at Andy Reid. I had absolutely no problem with that whatsoever for many reasons. I've shared this before with you. I'm going to share it again. This is a game of, played with passion and played with emotion. And fans want players on their teams to play with passion and emotion. You can't turn that off on a moment's notice. I had no problem with what Kelsey did. Clearly, Andy's comments after the game reflect that he had no problem with what Kelsey did. I loved it, in fact. He wanted to contribute. He wanted to win. I have zero problem with that. You asked me how often I saw that. I saw that sort of thing a lot. Not with the bump, but with coaches and players yelling on the sideline. The difference was they weren't captured on television for, you know, 200 million people to see. But I saw that sort of passion on the sideline. I was passionate like that, and I wasn't a player, but I went crazy passionate during games. And for those of you who missed it, obviously, Andy Reid, after uh, the game, did say that he got taken off guard because he has a new artificial hip, and I don't think that he didn't feel it at all that Travis Kelsey meant to bump him, but that he just got caught off balance, which could have been the case. And Travis Kelsey did say that he owes his entire career to Andy Reid, and, and it's clear by the relationship that these two have um, that Andy Reid is, you know, he's built this offense around having this incredible, uh, this incredible tight end. And, and, and again, everyone is talking about, so we'll find a way to differentiate, trying to talk about Brady and Mahomes as the GOAT. But I look at the tight ends and I just think of Gronkowski. And I think that as we talk about Travis Kelsey being the same age as Rob Gronkowski and having these two offenses have this relationship with these tight end quarterback, this tandem, and you can't help just wonder... It's so funny. Um, you know, I covered three peats with the NBA, mm -hmm. with the Lakers, you know, with two three peats. And this hasn't happened before in football. 
you have to wonder if Kelsey resists the siren song of maybe going to TV. Obviously, his brother is already retired. He said he's back. He said he he's, said he's back. I know. We, you're right. You're right. It can right. change. You're right. And of course, Jason Kelsey hasn't officially retired. But but you have to wonder if we are looking at possibly the first repeat in NFL history. Uh, and and we don't know. And you're you're absolutely right. People can say I'm coming back and they may change their mind. People can say I'm not coming back and they can change their mind. So you're absolutely right in that regard. Um, it, most people focus on MVP on the offensive side of the ball. We just saw two magnificent defensive plays and I love a defensive struggle. We saw the most viewed television program in history. One two, three point four. That's how I have to count. Like 123.4 million people up 10%, up 10 million people. I don't really give a rat's ass whether it was the Taylor Swift effect or not, whatever it was, it was amazing. And I'm going to tell you this too. What I loved about it was both of my sons wanted to watch it because Aww. I had one kid wanting to watch the Taylor Swift cutaways and one kid who just wanted to watch football Whatever it was, it was spectacular, and we are so lucky to have Jim Nance in his first appearance post-Super Bowl joining us right here on What the Football Momentarily. I'm thrilled, and, you know, we'll be drinking his wine while he joins us. Yeah, because really, guys, the calling is spectacular, and Jim Nance is spectacular, so it is what we would say is the perfect combination. Before we do that, I want to tell you about Game Time yet again because they have been an incredible sponsor, an incredible partner in this first year of What the Football. It's a pain in the ass to buy tickets for your family, especially my family because we go to so many different things. So I go to the app because it makes my life simple and nothing's simple in my life. It's easy to navigate. I can see exactly where my seats are going to be. And with little kids, you want to know if there's going to be a wall in front of you or not. They let you know up front right how much it's going to cost. And with a house full of kids with different tastes, I need to be able to find tickets that satisfies everybody's appetites. I love that they've got deals on tickets right until the start of the event because I am always late because I got too many kids. Even after an hour, I can buy tickets. It's the best place to find last minute seats and the game time guarantee means you will always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section in a row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. Take the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time. Download the app, create an account, use our code WTF. That's what the football WTF for $20 off of your first purchase. Restrictions apply. Visit GameTime.co for terms again. Create an account. Redeem the code WTF for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Jim Nance is next. DraftKings Casino is bringing you only the best classics like blackjack, roulette, and slots, plus exclusive games you are not going to find anywhere else. Download the DraftKings Casino app now and use the code SUZY, that's S-U-Z-Y. New players get an instant deposit match up to $100 in casino credits when you deposit $5 or more. That is code SUZY, S-U-Z-Y. Only on DraftKings Casino. The crown is yours. You've got to be 21 plus and physically present in Connecticut, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, West Virginia only. Void in Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. One per new customer must opt in and make minimum $5 deposit within seven days, 168 hours of registering your new account. 
Maximum match $100 in casino credits, which require one-time playthrough within seven days, 168 hours. Eligibility and other restrictions apply. See terms at casino.draftkings.com slash new player offer 2024. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. First and goal. Mahomes flings it. It's there! Hartman! Jackpot! Kansas City! And the great Jim Nance, as promised, joins us now. I am so delighted that you are here. Amy is as well. So thank you so much for taking the time. Two days removed from the most watched program in television history. What are your takeaways right away as you look back on this incredible game? Just feels so fortunate to have been in the arena. Actually, I feel like even though I'm physically in Nashville, Tennessee, right now. I'm, I'm mentally, uh, I'm still in, I'm still in Las Vegas inside the stadium. It's kind of hard to let go of all those good feelings of having such an epic game, the longest Super Bowl game. I mean, it's just you prepare for it for months, if not years, and then to have the game that you can only hope for. It's very gratifying. Jackpot. Did you know what you would say? I'm always fascinated when people like you just nail it. I was trying to think of something as they were going down the field. I just had this sense that they were going to score a touchdown after San Francisco kept the football for a half a quarter, basically, in the overtime and ended up with a field goal. I could just feel the Mahomes magic on the way. They were going to go down the field and score. I was starting to play in my head what would be a good way to address this. And the word jackpot was kind of what came to mind. And I hope it made sense to people. That's what felt right for me in the moment. It was spectacular. I have to wonder, Jim, what did you see when you saw Shanahan saying that he was taking the ball and you you were so smart. You said, you know, that defense looks gassed. What were your thoughts and what did you see? Well, of course, we were, we were facing a first ever situation with these new postseason overtime rules. And I addressed it with Tony right away and he broke it down. And he was the one that said he probably wanted to keep his defense off the field. Um, but I. I I just, my hunch was I would rather have the ball second, but nobody pays me to coach a football team. I just would rather know what I have to do to either tie the game or go win the game. And, uh, you know, we don't have enough data to know what the right answer is, but, uh, you know, I had some thoughts in my head. Was it right? Was it wrong? And I'm not sure we actually know the answer. I think if San Francisco had just made another play down there inside the 10 yard line, it could have been a different result. Plus there was the fourth and, Fourth and inches play where if they stopped, they had one stop to make early in that drive that that would have won the game on a defensive tackle, on a defensive play. But uh, I don't know. It, it was a lot of thoughts circling in your head. You know, it feels like it's in slow motion, to be honest. You, you just, you've done so many games. You have the reps. 
And um, you're just kind of lost in that bubble. And it's a great feeling. Jim, I don't know that you could see me as you were talking, but as you were, I was smiling ear to ear because you are absolutely positively right. None of us had all the data that went into making that decision. Now, that doesn't stop people from suggesting what the decision should have been or whether it was right or wrong. But I thought the analysis that you and Tony offered was spot on. We don't know what was being considered with respect to resting the defense. But I guess that's the fun of what everybody does. We get to speculate. Um, I will note and underscore that which Susie did, that after you just delivered a magnificent broadcast to more people than have ever watched anything <laughs> anywhere in the entire galaxy, you have joined us today and to thank you and celebrate that. But you can't really celebrate with us because you're not here. This is a bottle of your wine that I picked up on the way in. So please provide us more scintillating analysis while Susie and I have a glass. <laughs> well, thank you. The brand is called The Calling. Uh, I own the brand with my friend Peter Deutsch. We own half of it each. Uh, it's a great partnership. We've been out there in the market since 2012. We're in over 5,000 restaurants nationally, and it's growing. In fact, this year we're expanding our our red blends into Paso Robles, so it's a very exciting thing. In fact, it just started here in the last week, distribution nationally, which is going to be another 25,000 cases into our production and uh, very excited. It's won a lot of awards. We've had over 70, 90 plus point rated wines. We've been Wine Spectator Wine of the Year on their top 100 list. And it's been a really enjoyable part of my life now for over a dozen years. Well, Actually, it goes back to about 2010 when we first started formulating the game plan for it. And um, yeah, I love it. I mean, it's a it's a great part of my life. It's been successful and it's something we wanted it to be multi-generational that we could hand off to our kids one day and we're set up to do that. Well, just know that Susie and I are within driving distance of that area and we can drive up to Paso Robles and taste anything you need us to taste. And please also know <laughs> that when I went into the fancy liquor store and bought your wonderful wine, I then, when no one was watching, took all the bottles and moved them to the front of the store. So you're good I love in that this move. area. And by the Amy. way... I, you know I would do that, Jim. You know I took well, all I know the you do that. I love you. I put them to the front. And and as Susie noted, your use of the word jackpot was exquisite. Oh, thank you. You know what? I was, th there was a full week in Las Vegas. Uh, uh -huh. I come in from Pebble Beach on Monday. We have meetings. We have media day, all of this and that. And by about Wednesday or Thursday, you start to think, I need to pace myself a little bit better because it's all about Sunday. I spent a lot of time in my room reading because there's just so much material out there to read about the game and watching you from in front of the Bellagio fountain. So <laughs> thank you for uh, doing a great job of keeping me entertained and informed. That's what it's all about. And this is the first time I've talked, uh, you know, publicly about the broadcast since wow. it ended uh, almost two days ago. And what do you think was the strongest point of the broadcast? Are you able to critique yourself after all of these games? And this is of course your seventh Super Bowl. Well, I felt, really good about the broadcast. I really felt that Jim Rickoff, our producer, Mike Arnold, our director, they put together and cut a beautiful show. And I'm very proud of all the women and men behind this effort. I mean, the efforting in this is over a thousand people strong, well over a thousand people. And to come out of it and yeah, hit the jackpot, so to speak, with not only the, the highest audience on CBS and overall on a average basis of over 123 million people watching at any one time it actually was consumed at one point or another by 202 or 203 million people you think about two-thirds of the country 
at some point we'll watch the Super Bowl. It's staggering. You can't think of it while you're doing it, but I'm just really proud to be a part of this team. We had a team that's got a lot of pride and really cares. And, um, you know, we walked into one of the great games we've ever had. I will say this. This is my seventh Super Bowl call. I had never been the beneficiary of really having a game like this. I'd had a lot of stinkers, if you will, like the Rams and and um, Patriots game a few years back. where There was only one snap in, in the red zone the entire game. I mean, I needed, <laughs> I just wanted and needed a riveting down to the wire finish, and I got more than I could have asked for. So tell me about that, because I'm so curious about when you're calling the game, are you able to enjoy it at the same time? As a viewer, we didn't want it to end. A hundred percent. That's a great question, by the way, because that's when you know it's you're in that slot, you're in that right zone. I hate the word because people talk about it way too much, but it's true. You feel like a fan and you're just reacting to every play um, as if you were at home and totally lost in it. No question about it. But you go back to some of the things that were in that broadcast. We had this incredible opening tease put together by a whole team of people um, that that was centered around the sphere and my way by Frank Sinatra. Pete Radovich led that team. If you haven't seen it, I mean, I strongly suggest you go back and look at it. It's got to be the greatest tease of all time. And then you go through all of the mechanics of the kickoff show, the the uh, enhancements that are during the broadcast that need to get in there. I think there were like an extra 28 or something items that had to be seamlessly brought into the broadcast, summer sales components, et cetera. But um, Jim Rickoff and Mike Arnold steered us through that uh, flawlessly. And I'm just, again, really proud of all the hundreds of people who are behind that effort. You know, you mentioned Pete Radovich, and I had the opportunity to see for the first time while I was on with JB the piece that he did on Al. And, yep, now Mm. everyone has seen the Princess of Darkness cry on live television (laughs) because, as always, his pieces were so moving. And what I shared with JB after that piece ran that very few people know about Al is he actually sang that Frank Sinatra lyric. Whenever he and I would be arguing and I would go to walk out of the office, he sang, I did it my way, and he smiled, and I walked out of the room all kind of huffy sometimes, but then I laughed. So, um, yes, you are right. Those pieces were absolutely magnificent. That, just magic, magic. And it's still anyone that had the chance to be in Al's company like you did. And very few ever had the kind of working relationship that you have with Al Davis. I mean, that is, you know, as time goes on, I hope it's never lost of what he brought to the game, what he brought to football, and how you were there all those later years and some really good years, by the way, I might add, for the greater nation. It's an amazing thing. I felt Al Davis's presence there. You're watching oh, over wow. this game. In fact, when the game ended, uh, my name off my mind often sees numbers, and this is after things kind of settled down. The confetti blizzard is over with. Um, I just happened to look at the stat monitor, and it showed that it showed that Mahomes had thrown for 333 yards. Well, this way my mind works. Vegas is a city where everybody's looking for a lucky number. Yep. Oh, yeah. no, so three, three, three. The stadium address, and I had this in my head, is three, 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 Al Davis Boulevard. That's the that's the Allegiant Stadium address. All threes. Mahomes was all threes. The winning play happened with three seconds left. 
in that quarter of a, a sudden death, and they won by three. So, so what you're it's saying? Just, I saw, I saw were threes, man. I if I would have thought about it, I would have gone by a roulette board and played three, but I didn't. Um, but Vegas is a city predicated on jackpots and numbers, and that definitely was the lucky number. So what you're saying is, in the words of Taylor Swift, karma. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> we um, we certainly uh, were probably the beneficiaries of a nice spike in the number for a multitude of reasons, not the least of which was that she was at the game. And, you know, that data has proven that that it was worth something for the allure of the NFL to the fringe fan. And, and again, you had great teams, marquee names and players, star players, none bigger, of course, than Patrick. And then you had the length of the game. I mean, it all added up to a Super Bowl that'll be long remembered. And actually, again, I'm not a number cruncher normally when it comes to ratings, but it knocked it out of the park by so much. I think it was a 10% higher than any other previous audience to sample the Super Bowl. That number is going to be put away for a long time. I'm not trying to challenge anybody down the road. I hope somebody breaks it next year or the year after that. But my hunch is that number is going to sit there for a long, long time as the most watched television event in this nation's history. You know, you mentioned um, the Patriots and you mentioned the Rams, uh, that Super Bowl, of course. And so much has been made of the comparisons of the Chiefs and the Patriots. And I'm curious about what your thoughts are on that. Well, we're right in the middle of the same thing. I got to say, uh, it, it, Susie, it feels like exactly like it. I was, um, again, the beneficiary of being around so many of those Patriot moments because we're the AFC network. So we're doing the AFC playoffs, the AFC championship games, which they were in 10 consecutive years. Brady's last Super Bowl win as a Patriot. Brady's last game as a Patriot when Logan Ryan picked him off in Tennessee, upset them up at Gillette. All total, it was over 100 games I was exposed to. I haven't done the total count right now on how many Mahomes games I've done over the last six years, but we're on track to be eclipsing that kind of number. You know, I, it's it's a lot. I think we had eight of their games this year. That's probably pretty much on average. So it's a dynasty. It's going to be our flagship team for a long time because, again, we're the AFC network. So the short of it is I probably – would make a strong investment if I went in and bought a townhome or something in KC right now, down on the plaza area or something like that. You'd get a lot of free drinks. I think you got to have <laughs> Devin Hester's opening kickoff return. You got to have this overtime game. That's true. How do you decide what your favorite moment has been in a Super Bowl? Well, the Devin Hester one was my favorite moment prior, prior to this year, because it was my first play. My first play ever calling a Super Bowl game, and now I've done seven, was an opening kickoff return for a touchdown. It's the only opening kickoff return in Super Bowl history. It meant a lot for some internal reasons, one of which was my first football game I ever attended was the first game in New Orleans Saints history hmm. back on September 17, 1967. I was eight years old. I walked into Tulane Stadium in New Orleans holding my father's hand. And we sat in, uh, in the aisle wow. because we had only standing room access. And it ended up being a kickoff return for a touchdown. Oh, so wow. the first play I saw of my life in person with my own eyes was a kick return on the opening kick for a touchdown. I had just <laughs> lost my father around that time. My dad was deep in the throes of Alzheimer's. And I'm calling this game. I'm channeling my father. 
And Devin Hester takes my first Super Bowl call, just like my first game, the distance at the start. And to bring it full circle in some ways, uh, I've been blessed to have children later in life, including an eight-year-old son. So there was that number eight again, having my Jameson with me in Las Vegas to watch this game and to go through the last couple of days, the prep and cuddling up with my son and it, it meant the world for my my Super Bowl to be shared with my son, just like my dad did with me. It came full circle. So now my favorite Super Bowl memory will definitely rise to the top with the touchdown, winning touchdown pass to uh, Nicole Hardman. That is so beautiful. I've and got thank goosebumps. you for sharing that. I've got oh, goosebumps. I really appreciate that. Um, I know you have to go to pick up, so I'll, I'll, I'll wrap it up. But I just need to know how you were able to be so present and quiet your mind in these moments so that you're able to bring your authenticity to the game and yet not crowd it. It's such a beautiful gift. And, and to live so precisely in the moment to deliver the way you do, I just, I'd love to have some insight. Well, that's very nice of you to say. It's a lot of reps. It's almost 40 years worth of reps. I try to let this is going to sound like I'm lost my mind, but this is the way I, I say it to myself. I try to let it flow through me. If that makes any sense. I try to feel the moment and what the makes perfect sense. ambiance is bringing. What I, I just get lost in it and it's flowing through me. I don't think about it. I do try to be letter perfect and precise, but it is live television. And sometimes there'll be a few bobbles along the way for anyone who's ever done it. But, um, no, I just, you have that buildup where you're thinking about, you've got this Super Bowl, and if you allow it to be, it can be overwhelming just because you know there's so many people that are going to be watching it and scrutinizing every single second. But it's a lot of meditation, a lot of prayer, and a lot of just trusting your instincts, and that's what I've tried to do. What haven't you done, Jim, that you want to do? You know, there's actually, I I love that question. I don't get asked that. There's nothing that I want to do. I'm grateful for everything. I used to say that I wanted to be able to call the British Open, or as it's known to the rest of the world, the Open Championship. But we never had the rights to CBS. And that somehow got back to some people at the BBC and sure enough, I got to do the open, not here in America, but for the rest of the world and be the quote unquote foreign voice for the open for several years. It was a thrill to work alongside the likes of uh, Peter Alice and um, be able to do commentary on the open championship. But after that kind of box got checked, there are big events I haven't done like a world series, not qualified just not qualified. That's just not something that I would be very good at. I've been blessed that the events that CBS has had the rights to are events that were always my childhood favorite events, the NFL, golf and the Masters and the PGA Championship, the Tour, and college basketball. So all of it is a gift. All of it truly, truly is an 11-year-old boy living out a dream. So the short of it is, after all of that, I get to this point. I long for nothing. I'm grateful for everything. Grateful for everything. My heart is absolutely overflowing with gratitude. 
And um, that is something that I give thanks to every single day before my feet hit the floor. So I'm so grateful to have the chance to work with so many incredibly talented people at CBS. So grateful for the job that they did this weekend in Las Vegas and to be able to go to these events. Um, it's a dream. I know that it's overused, but it is true from the, from the very bottom of my heart. It is, I'm grateful for it all. Jim, uh, we do know you have to go, as Susie noted. So I will simply share with you that that which you shared about letting things flow through you um, resonated with me. And I am confident those who are listening to this podcast or watching this podcast are going to agree. Those were very powerful, important words, and I appreciate that you shared them. And now, wait for it, because it's going to make sense. Thank you for calling in as Susie and I raised to you a glass of your wine, The Calling. See what I did there? Which I send to my brother like for it. his birthday every year. I mean, oh, it is By the way, greatest. I know Susie. Yeah. I know you guys have been drinking this. And Amy, I know you. I've, I've heard back from Rich. Grateful for that, too. Thank you. And it has The Calling is, if I may say, it has to do with trying to find and follow that childhood calling. Wow. And having the chance, as you said so astutely, Amy is having been there calling the Super Bowl. So thank you for that toast. I think I'm going to go crack open a bottle myself. <laughs> I'm going to go with our. Uh, I'm going to go with our Dutton Ranch Chardonnay right now. That's uh, a nice one. And um, hey, this was great to unwind a little bit. I have not gone back to watch the game. I have just seen one clip so far. I need space and time and distance and rest. But uh, talking to you guys made me feel uh, perked up again after being catching up on my sleep after a couple of days. So well, thank go, you. Go have a glass of your wine and get some rest. And I want to say thank you too, because it was really gracious of you to hop on with us today. And we really, we really wanted to end our season with you because it's our uh. inaugural season of what the football, and you were very gracious about, um, about reaching out back to me when I reached out to you and Rich said to me, what are you nuts? He's not going to do it. He's, he's just coming off. I said, Rich, you never know if you don't try. You know, it's that whole thing about, like, you, you miss every pitch that comes at you if you don't swing. So I, I appreciate you hitting me back, and uh, we toast you and get some rest, and don't miss pickup. I know what that feels like. I know yeah, you've got pickup it, to it's, it's pickup for my little boy and my little girl, Finley. Jameson and Finley, they'll get in the car, and they won't be talking about, well, my son might still be talking about the Super Bowl, but it's all good. Here's how I want to leave it, though. Since I now find out I'm your last guest of the season, I do like bookends, too. So I think uh, we need to do this as the inaugural show for this fall. Write it down, everyone. Get if you'll have down. me. Consider if it you'll booked, have me. Jim. That's done. Consider it I'm done. In. We love you. I'm in. Thank you. Goodbye, Thank friend. You we appreciate it so very so much. What a gentleman. What an incredible, abject gentleman. It is such a pleasure to have him. Amy, a toast to you. And to you and to nice job. all of our work together and, and the fun we've had. Yeah, it's been great. We really appreciate each and every one of you who have joined us this week, every week as we've put together our inaugural season of What the Football. And we want to thank everyone behind the scenes as well because it takes it takes a nice army of staffers by, you know, here to, to bring you this podcast week after week. And we appreciate your support. We already are booked for next year. Wow. Guest I one mean, is already Jim, uh, Jim Nance saying I'll be on as your first guest doesn't get any better than that, does it? No, it's awesome. But we're going to keep going through the off season because I think the two of us would miss each other getting together and 
you know, the truth of the matter is that the football season never ends. It never ends, and the league owns the year. Look, we the Super Bowl was Sunday. Monday morning on the radio, people are asking me, Aim, who do you predict will be in the Super Bowl next year? I'm like, dude, we just played the game yesterday. Can we take a breath? And yes, I actually said dude because I grew up near the beach, like me and Spicoli. Um, but, you know, we're already talking about I'm being asked about who's going to be in next year's game. And then someone asked me who I think will be the MVP of next year's Super Bowl. I dropped another dude and said, let's just chill for a minute. Well, we may not be here every week, but we will be here on a routine basis bringing to you our ideas. I definitely have some thoughts ahead of the combine coming up, obviously with the draft looming ahead, but we look forward to being with you this off season because the off season is still the exciting season as we build up. And I can't wait to have Jim Nance back in the seat with us. And I, I encourage you all out there to go out there, pick up a bottle of the calling. And uh, I want to say thank you to all of you who have been incredibly supportive. So aim. Well, you stated that beautifully. You thanked everyone. I can't add to that except to thank you for inviting me to join you for this. It's been a learning experience for me. I have a lot of room to improve, and you do what the best people do. You help others to be better than they otherwise would be. So thank you. Thanks, babe. Really appreciate it. We will see you all on the next edition of What the Football. Take care. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.